Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcasting Network, the only Mavericks podcast that is not being renamed for cryptocurrency. Yet. I'm Tim Cato. I write in, talk, and do other stuff about the Mavericks, report on them, go to their practices, travel to LA, where the Mavericks um, were recording Monday evening. So they played yesterday against the Clippers. They played them again on Tuesday uh, I was at mass practice a couple hours ago. We've got Mike Pellucci on the pod, D Magazine's Mike Pellucci. It's been a few weeks. How are you, Mike? Yes, I'm good. Uh, I am doing well. Uh, I'm jealous that you are visiting my former place of residence, Los Angeles. Uh, it's a beautiful place. It's definitely warmer there than it, it will be tonight here in Dallas, so that's good. Did it get cold? Is it going to be cold when I come back? It's, it's, starting, it's, it's starting to get cold. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's starting to get cold. Noted, night, noted. So. Uh, we're, we're actually transitioning to a weather podcast, so we've got another 20 minutes to talk about temperature. And, and sponsored by crypto, cryptocurrency. We're just pivoting all at once here. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, very briefly, I was at Mavs practice, and Luca may or may not have suffered a slight set- setback. Um, I'll just briefly, since it's quite relevant, and people will probably be listening to this uh, within hours, some people will, um, definitely before I think we'll have any additional news. Yeah, we you know, we got led into practice, and there's some 5-on-5 five five scrimmaging happening. Luca's participating. Uh, it's... Um, it was a mix of people. It was like coaches and training staff mixed into like Boban, Moses Brown, and oh, there's someone else. I, Dwight Powell was in there for a second. Luca was in there, but you know, shooting coach Peter Patton was in there, and uh, Jared Dudley was was running up and down as well. And so they were playing. Jason walks over. He's about to do his media session, and I'm looking the exact opposite direction. I'm looking at Jason, who's about to you know give his little update, and. I just hear like a shout behind me and I don't even realize what happens until I look back and Luca's sitting on the, on the, uh, on the bleachers. He had, and he had just like banged it clearly with his fist in frustration. And, you know, I don't think it was like serious, serious, uh, anything like that, but what the, the way I interpreted it, and I'm saying this as someone who has bad knees, um, and have kind of gone through this myself, it seemed like someone, you know, it seemed like Luca realized he had just tweaked it again in some way. And it was definitely the knee. It was definitely the knee that he was holding. And then that, that's what he got ice on. Um, you know, you can do a very small minor tweak to a knee that you know it happens, but, you know, we'll still be okay in a, in a few days. But I think all signs were pointing to Luca returning Tuesday against the Clippers and, while we don't have any info, and I am only speculating, it does seem like it might be a few more games now. So that was both unusual, because usually you wouldn't see something like that at a practice. We only get let in at the very, very end. And a bummer, obviously, because we all like watching Luca play basketball, and he is quite good at it. And so there is my breaking news update. Um, breaking news as of like two hours ago, but that's what Man I saw. Man of the street, Tim Cato. Yeah, that's what I saw. Yeah, it would be it would be unfortunate. Uh, obviously, the hope is that this is a minor setback. Uh, if it is, even is a setback, yeah, um, and I don't I don't know for sure it is, but just seeing what happened, it it seemed clear that Luca was not happy and felt like something bad had happened, and hopefully that bad is small. But again, yeah, all speculation. Really and when Jason talked right, right after, like you know, he just gave the injury update he had planned to give. 
So we don't know. Yeah, because Jason doesn't know anything more than, than right. we do at this point. Right. right? I think I think it comes down to you know the the impact in the moment of this is for however long he is out is just uh, it continually delays the process of us finding out what this team is right I think that's the theme of the season so far nobody knows what they are and every time we think they're getting a teensy bit closer to finding out something else happens right you get Porzingis going out early Porzingis comes back Luca gets hurt. Very soon into Porzingis coming back, right during, right in a stretch where we're sitting here going, okay, this is the Mavs prove it stretch. All right, we're about to have a week and a half's worth of games of real competition. Let's see how they do. We're really going to know things. Boom, no Luka Doncic. So the longer Luka is out, I mean, priority A is making sure he's healthy long term because, duh. Priority B is you hope that he gets back sometime soon and that there are no further setbacks to the pieces around him because yeah, this is the regular season and you can dilly-dally a little bit with letting these pieces gel together and the new philosophies of Jason Kidd, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point, you got to get everybody on the floor together and start getting people on the same page to find out what you actually have so that, A, you know what you got to do, if anything, before the deadline. I think we can safely say they need to do something, particularly in an ancillary playmaker standpoint. But B, get them ready for the postseason because what works right now, what doesn't work, we don't know because we can't even see these guys on the floor yet. Right. I think that's a great summation. I think that we're always a big picture talking podcast. And Mm -hmm. in that sense, all three games from a result standpoint really just felt like the same to me. The past three games uh, that they played against Phoenix and LA. Big picture. What do you think of the way Porzingis is playing? Um, Both what we're actually seeing from him right now with Luka off. But I think even more broadly, what a continuation of that would look like once Luca's back. Um, coincidentally, this is also something I wrote about Monday morning. Right. Yeah. And I think to answer the second, I, I, how has he played? He's looked better than he has since the bubble. I think that's safe, safe presumption here. And I don't think I, I, without Luka Doncic, what we saw the last three games, yes, it's disappointing. You would hope if you're in three games going into the fourth quarter, you can steal one of them, especially that first Phoenix game when they were shooting the lights out from three, which has not been a common occurrence with this team this year and did not happen the next two games either. You would hope you can take one more. But uh, big picture standpoint, again, we're big picture people here. Playing that well against arguably, I'd say after Golden State, Phoenix is the best team in the West right now. Um you could make some argument to me that Phoenix is better. I mean, Phoenix was in the finals last year. Phoenix is younger you know, across the board overall. Uh, you know, either way, let's say a top two team in the West. You play them deep into the fourth quarter twice in their building, no Luka Doncic. That's a win right there. Same thing yesterday with the Clippers. Yeah, they lose that game. But the way poor Zingas looked down the stretch, I don't know if I've seen him look that assured. It's been a long time since I just saw him making purposeful movements, feeling very assertive, you know, towards the end for what I was able to catch this game. I was basically furiously toggling back and forth at that point um, between Cowboy commercial breaks because I had to write about the Cowboys and then edit all the things about the Cowboys. But he's just looked, and not just yesterday, but really over in the Phoenix games too, he's looked like a guy who, can Kristaps Porzingis be the best guy on this team if they're winning a you know, going far in the playoffs. No, but he looks like a guy who can carry the offense at stretches and can expand the possibilities. You know, you cited in your piece today something Jake Kemp wrote for us at D about Jake called Porzingis, essentially in some ways, he made the argument that he's the most important guy in the league because the variance of what this team could be with a high-functioning Porzingis 
relative, you know, it's it's something that after the obvious upper crust of superstars, there might not be another guy in the league who could swing a team from, you know, first round exit to if he's operating at peak capacity and he figures it out with Luka, there might not be another guy who could swing the fortunes of a team like that. Because if Kristaps Porzingis plays this well, when peak Luka Doncic comes back, you are talking about a team who were back to the bubble era of, oh my God, this team could be in the finals. They really could be if Porzingis could do this with Luka at full capacity. Okay, a few thoughts here. Um, yeah. Interrupt me if you want to add to any of them. The first is uh, just a quote from Porzingis, his own words. I haven't felt like this for a while. The last time I felt like this was probably New York. He said that after Sunday's game. And yeah, I, I think the confidence uh, that the confidence is, is really what made me want to read that quote, the, the confidence you referenced, because I agree. I mean, mentality wise, demanding the ball, uh, knowing his his place and and, you know, knowing that place in this instance was to be, you know, to be the parallel version of what Paul George was being on the other end and just like starring for right. the team and going and getting them points. I thought that was pretty cool, pretty interesting to see. Um, he had some other good quotes. Uh, read the article that published Monday, if you want to read those. Yep. Second thought is that, you know, it was jarring. It was a contrast that he was doing against the Clippers. And the last time he was in Staples Center, which is still mm-hmm. officially legally the name of that arena until after Thanksgiving. Man, the yep. Mavs are making history. I think, I believe they, like... <laughs> Tuesday's game is the final game with that title. Wow. Yeah. End of an era. Yeah, wow. But the last time he was in Staple Center, last time he was in L.A., he was hanging out in the corner, uh, getting roasted mercilessly online and on broadcast for being a swat-up shooter and not being a second star. And we've talked a lot about that. And we talked about how, yeah, that is probably what he should have been doing in that series. But I, I will say that that he's been more effective the past three games at finding mismatches and making decisive post movements to score from them. And yeah. I still don't know if that's... like I, I don't think that would have been the right thing to do against Kawhi Leonard all the time. No, no, no. no but no, when no. we talk about Porzingis and his ceiling and how he could unlock the Mavs ceiling, you, know, you referenced Jake's article. I, I think that in a lot of ways, he's referencing this. The ability for him to be a mismatch post-up scorer, uh, especially like within 10 feet, something he was doing a lot of, I think that's like that's the dream. That's the idea. And I saw some of that on, you know, on Sunday, and I saw a little bit of that against the Suns. And this is going to lead me to my third point. But I, I will say that, it's it's definitely optimistic. It's it's definitely encouraging to see a bit more of that, and for him to be more decisive and commanding about just finding those situations because that's half that's half of it. Like it, yeah. for him, like one of the struggles is getting the positioning in the first place. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I think that goes without saying. It, whether whether this is what we want him doing all the time, like you said, probably not. But you know. So Brian Damaris is going to write something for us over a D in the next couple of days, and I'll give you a little sneak peek of that because. Basically, the thrust of what he writes, and I think it's a very good thrust, is like so much of what we are going to see right now is sort of a laboratory for what they are going to in the postseason. They are trying things. And is on a micro level with Kristaps Porzingis, do you want him doing everything you're seeing over these last three games in June? No, you don't. 
But what you do want is for him to a build some confidence and know that he can do it for his own purpose because he need, every athlete needs confidence. I think this guy in particular needs a lot of it after how the last playoff series played out when they basically said go stand in the corner and just be a decoy. But b it also for, gives opponents a lot more things they have to take into account. You know, yeah, the the Luca spread pick and roll with four shooters is a great thing, and this team can always go back to the well if they need to, but. There's a reason teams knew what was coming to the playoffs. Dallas wasn't showing a lot off of that. If Dallas is showing more, if Kristaps Porzingis is showing, hey, I've got all these facets in my game that I still have, if he is evolving, then that just creates so much more to account for, right? You know, the example Brian uses, and we again, we're talking degrees here. This is not a direct comparison, but think about what Dirk was when they won the title versus the Dirk of 2003, which is more of a shooter, versus the Dirk of the Avery Johnson era, which is don't shoot as much from deep, just play in the post back to the basket. The fully realized Dirk was age 31, age 32, when he blended all of it together with Rick Carlisle. And what we're seeing now with Porzingis is at least some reminder that there's more under the hood to play with. It's going to be a long process of figuring out what he's good at and this offense integrating those things to make a reach, reach peak capacity, right? The best case scenario is his body keeps holding up. And then we see Chris House Porzingis maybe even takes till age 28 to become what we think he can be. But for me, just the fact that we've seen that this is in there still, that this hasn't been taken from him either due to confidence or due to just the injury woes that he's had, however unrelated some of those are, that's a great sign right now. That's the biggest thing for me when I watch him, that the potential is there. Because for better or for worse, I wrote this before the season, but Porzingos, we will always judge based on ceiling. You know, that's the whole unicorn thing, right? When your name is the unicorn, it implies something mythical and something unreplicable anywhere else. That we always think there could be something more there, even when there might not be. And that's not always fair to him. He didn't pick the damn name. But at least the last couple weeks, we're seeing stuff and some flashes for the first time since at least the bubble, if not New York, like he says, of, oh, right, he can do a lot more things than what we've seen. Oh, that's still in there. Oh, the guy's still only 26. Okay, what else can happen? Right. I agree with all that. And unfortunately, I am still kind of pessimistic about them finding the right blend. And that's just my gut feeling about this. And I don't know, you know, I think it's some combination of the coaching staff, some combination of Luca, and some combination of KP. I, something I highlighted in, in the story I wrote Monday was that Luca is averaging 75 picks per game easily the most in the league the next closest is trey at 67 and then i think chris paul's at 62 um those are per 100 possessions and you know if the mavericks are going to talk about getting you know luca trusting his teammates more and getting the ball out of his hands a little bit more and if all that talk (laughs) has led to luca actually having the ball even more than he did uh, that's not encouraging me that Luca is going to be the one who changes, nor nor maybe should he. I mean, he is Luca Doncic. He's that good. Like, you know, if he has he is, specific- but let's remember. I mean, and you know this. We're talking small sample size theater, and that small sample size, most of those games were without Porzingis on the floor at all. That's fair. So that's fair. You know, of course, the usage is going to jump, even with Jalen Brunson taking a bit of a step well, forward because. So, so that is fair. That's that's a fair point. It, it also is concerning to me, and I know we've talked about this, and, and I think that a, a lot of the, the blame on the spacing has fallen on Dwight Powell, but, and, and Porzingis' role in this has certainly been brought up, but when he's just 
you know, when I've seen him and Luca share the floor together, there is still too much of Porzingis roaming around looking for post-ups, in my opinion. Yes. And no, I agree with that. I, it's now chicken egg, chicken and egg. Is it Luca's fault for still trying to run pick and rolls when Porzingis is showing that he's able to kind of do effective things on post-ups? Uh, generally, I, I think it's more on Porzingis and needing to know to float to the corner or float to the wing when it's more clear that Luca has an advantageous situation than than him. But I'm sure it's a mix of both. If Luca, you know, like inevitably, if Luca's going to be running 75 picks uh, picks per 100 possessions, and you're right, I should uh, I should look at that number and account for the games that uh, Porzingis has missed versus the ones that that, that he hasn't. Um, but but you know even when they both were healthy, I, I did feel this was still the case that Luca is just running so many pick and rolls and running the offense so single mindedly that you know of course Porzingis is going to get into his way if he chooses to do any be anything other than a spot up shooter. And I think we all agree that we are trying to move on from the spot up shooting version of Porzingis and implement some level of this stuff, all this stuff under the hood, like we just talked about that he has in his bag and he's showing a little bit more and like, I don't know where the right blend is me personally. Um, right. You know, it's, it's one of the things that you, you'll, you're going to know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. And how many games like what? We're not even a, a quarter of the way through the season. We've got 65. No, we're about 20%. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we've got like 64, 65 games for them to continue working on this. Obviously, health is important for that for that reason. Yeah, health but, health permitting, and that we can't assume any of that with how the first twenty percent right. of the season is going. But I'm so just far. I'm just being honest with you with, with you. I, my gut feeling is that there isn't some perfect blend that they find here. That it, it's just and I, again, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I, I you know I named some of the factors that go into this, but I, I guess I guess just the awkwardness that I've seen thus far makes me feel like it's 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 just a little incongruent right now and and in a way that feels like it isn't just one thing here or there. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have a Do more you... optimistic viewpoint? Well before before I get to that, I guess I'll have one follow up for you, okay. which is that do you, I guess, what was your assessment of them when they played together in the bubble? Because certainly nothing we saw last year is what you want. Right. But when they were in the bubble it was working, you know. I that's not to say that they their two band game was what we wanted to see necessarily. We were still at the time we were thinking this is you know the first full year they've had together. There's still growth, blah blah blah. But Porzingis doesn't get hurt. They probably win that Clippers series right. that first year, you know. And he was playing lights out. That was the best ball we've seen Luka Doncic play. So it's not like we don't have precedent for the fact that these guys can play together on some level. I guess. What do you recall seeing then versus now? Not even talking about what they could be in the future, but just how far removed from that do you think they even are at this juncture? I think it'd be a really interesting article article to go back and look at the bubble and have some mm-hmm. takeaways. I recall KP being more of a creator than I think he even is right now. Even when we talk about how he's been doing better on these mismatch post-ups, those are still things that... He creates with his movement, and then teammates create with the pass, and then KP's making one move, one decisive move, you know, turning over one shoulder or the other, and scoring, often, or has been. And yeah. that's a little bit different than shot creation, uh, even right. still. 
that's still more finishing. And I'm using finishing in a broad sense of he is finishing off a play created for him by others. The one optimistic thing I'll say is that right before Luca got hurt, we were starting to see a few more Luca KP pick and rolls, and I thought those looked which is what good. everybody wants. Yeah, exactly. I, that's what everybody yeah. has wanted the entire time. Yeah. So that is that is something that I think is good, and I don't know beyond that. It's it's just you know this is this is like like you said it sucks that Luca is now maybe possibly you know asterisk mark we don't know but probably going right. to miss a few more games. And we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer to see if they can find that blend. Because even as we start, you know, it, it feels like the late seasons of Lost where, like, every time that they answered a question, they just opened up, like, seven new ones that, you know, would, would continue on. And I'm afraid that we're going to get to the, the end. The conclusion of, was not satisfying. I know. We're going to get to the end of the uh, season and we're still going to have a bunch of them unanswered is, is the fear. Right. Well, I will say this, you know, to when you ask me about optimism, I will, I will say two things. Because I'm with you that I, I don't know what the right blend is. I, and I think, frankly, anybody who says they know exactly what the right blend is, and I'm including Jason Kidd in that, anybody who says they know exactly what the right blend is, I don't, I don't take that seriously because we don't know. We don't have a large enough sample size of this working or Porzingis being at the level to where you could take him seriously as a collaborator for Luca versus just a very just another enhanced part of a supporting cast. We don't know what it looks like. What I will say is two things. One, we have already shifted the conversation in these last. How many games of Porzingis have been back now? Eight, I get, you know, give or take. Uh, I that think sounds right. Eight, yeah, maybe eight. Because Jake's story, Jake's story ran Friday. That was before the second Phoenix game, before the Celtics game. Yep. In eight games, I think it's fair to say we have gone from before Porzingis came back. It was, well, I hope he looks good. We don't know what we're getting. Already, we've seen enough in these eight games to to sit here and shift the conversation from, all right, what can he and the rest of these guys do to help Luca to. How can we make Luke and Porzingis work? Which is not a conversation we've had since the bubble. So that right there is progress. That is a good problem to have because what it implies is you have somebody who's not just another one of the supporting pieces. It's you have a legitimate co-star. Not even co-star because he's not Luka Doncic, but a legitimate star-level player again. That is good. If we are having this conversation, that is growth. And even as we sit here saying we don't know what this damn team is because they're not healthy at the same time, fact that we this early in the season less than a quarter in are back to saying let's figure out how to make them work together because Porzingis can support that to a point that is progress so good problem to have I will say this though even if we never find that right balance even if your worst fears are confirmed if we have enough sporadic flashes along the way of Porzingis looking like a guy who can really play and do things but maybe it's not not the right fit with Luca. Well, all of a sudden, you go from this guy who you didn't have a trade of last out over the summer, at least relative to, you would have to trade him for pennies on the dollar. The trade value goes right back up again. There will always be concerns about the health. That's never going to go away unless he starts playing 70-game seasons, stringing them three, four years in a row. But it will be enough because, again, if we are sitting here betting on Porzingis' potential, I guarantee you NBA executives will always talk themselves at the potential of this guy in today's modern game, right? right. Bigs who can do the things he can do will... If he's healthy and he's showing what he has the last eight games, you will always find people who can believe it. Whereas nobody was going to pay for the guy in the Clippers series standing in the corner as a decoy. Nobody cared about that. But if this guy can continue to flash things and continue to expand parts of his games, even his game, even if it doesn't work in concert with Luka Doncic, you will probably find someone who will say, oh, you put him in our system. Now we're back to, yeah, I can fix Porzingis. I'll give Dallas something for that. And then you could probably get stuff that might fit Luka better. 
Yeah. So if that's your floor outcome, that is still progress from where we were even a month and a half ago when the season started. I think that's a great closing point. I think everybody's certainly rooting or, or hope, hopeful that KP can work out in Dallas. And it does seem like he is once again recommitted to this team and his future here and trying to make it work. But I agree. That's, that's the underlying current to all of this. So we're going to close out here. Uh, thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure to have you back on on a holiday week. And it's been good to be back. I'll be on plenty more often as the season keeps going. I'm going to enjoy your old city, downtown L.A. I don't Please know. do. I don't know how much you were a I was more guy. of a West Side guy. Okay, that's yeah, fair. I was more of a West Side guy. But I went to USC, so that's right by downtown. I spent a lot of time downtown. Okay, um, okay, okay. Well, I'll yeah, have to hit so you up for uh, some spots. Uh, Please do. Once I hop off. So. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week. See ya. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. Woo!